0: Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hello, I'm your host, Misty Little, and it's January 2019, and I'm so happy. It's like we're on the upward side, leaning towards the light. Ah, oh, so, so happy about that. We've been having rather mild, or I don't know, I call it normal winter here, so I've been enjoying some of the nicer days lately, getting out in the garden. It's been raining a lot too, though, so that's been a little bit of a damper on things, but... I started my tomato seeds under lights last week. Yes, you heard that right. Um, I always want to start them in mid-December, but usually we take a trip to visit family after Christmas. So, you know, those seedlings need water. It's not really exactly good timing to leave new seedlings when you go on uh, vacation. So I always delay them to the start of January. And that'll be perfect timing for a late February, early March set out in the garden. And then I'll have tomatoes in like May. So it's perfect. So in today's episode, we're going to jump across the pond to Ireland for my second ever international guest. My first international guest was early this year with Sherry Graham in Nova Scotia. Now, Peter Donegan is a lifelong plant and garden enthusiast who turned that passion into getting a degree in horticulture before beginning his garden design firm in Dublin, Ireland. That business has taken him throughout Ireland and the UK, designing gardens, and most recently to France to create the Irish Peace Gardens to mark the centennial of the World War I armistice. In addition, he's also a podcaster himself, interviewing gardeners, garden designers, and other plant-loving people on his show, The Sod Show, which was started in 2010. More recently, I was also a guest on his podcast back in October, and you'll hear us talk a little bit about that, but if you want to listen to that episode, I'll put the link up in the show notes for you. So I have several episodes lined up for the rest of January and early February and brainstorming guests for the episodes through the end of May. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can drop me an email at thegardenpathpodcast.gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast. You can also sign up for the monthly newsletter on the podcast website, thegardenpathpodcast.com. Hitting the five-star rating and leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher goes a long way. So if you've not done that yet, please consider taking a moment to do so. Now on to the episode. Well, yeah, so I want to get started by basically, you know, introducing yourself, um, mostly because I would think most of my listeners, they may know who you are now because I was on your podcast, but um, I would still say that a lot of them probably don't know who Peter Donnegan is or the Sod Show. Um, So maybe give some background on who you are, what you do, and how you came to do all this stuff.
1: Uh well, as we spoke about Awfair, this is one of the most unusual experiences I have had because the garden podcast or my hobby as I call it, um, is that's about to hit four hundred episodes. So it's it's an old boy before podcasting became a little bit more like a good mug of coffee in Ireland. <sighs> that's that's a good that's a very good analogy um but to to backtrack uh uh, or to go to where I am now um I design gardens for a living uh that's Donegan landscaping that's what pays the bills it's also what I love doing the most and I've been in business about 17 years and if you go all the way back you'll realize I'm one of eight children and I used to grow plants under my bed when I was five. Uh, And around that time, Misty, um, I'd gone out, I'd actually got a couple of books and I still have those books to this day. Uh, And the opening line on this book, funnily enough, called An Easy Guide to Gardening was start by digging the ground two foot deep. So I did and I, I took a couple of weeks pocket money and hard earned cash at the time in 1980s Ireland, and I sowed, <laughs> sowed these seeds two foot deep below ground because that's oh exactly gosh. what the book said, and I covered it in. Well, where it starts to get interesting is then you start to realize you're, you're waiting for your seeds to germinate. Of course, of course, he says again, seeds do germinate. But the trouble then was, uh, or the advantage in hindsight, was that at six years of age, I knew how to identify every single what I know now to be a weed seed by their (laughs) by their leaves and I now realize with hindsight that putting something two foot deep below ground or and trying to sow something at the same time as you sow as a weed self germinates you have editing here and I'm getting tongue-tied but um essentially you're better off sowing in a plug tray system first or in controlled conditions and uh, join the dots in the middle and it's about four years studying horticulture and building rooftop gardens when I was about 17 years of age
0: well so I want to go back to the five-year-old Did anybody in your family garden at all like how did you even decide that you were like this sounds interesting to to begin with I mean most five-year-olds aren't aren't playing with seeds I mean mine likes to play in the dirt but <laughs> not for gardening
1: no, I, I was the goofy kid who was into Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. We had we'd an uncle who had been to Hong Kong and he came back with his briefcase and, and he opened it up and there was a speaker either side and I had a vinyl player and a cassette player. So we could record vinyl to cassette at the time, which made me... Get my hands on "Let It Be" in in exchange for a Sergeant Pepper's or a Led Zeppelin exchange for, you know, Mark Bolan and T Rex, and uh, cousin one of eight, and and Ireland was a little bit um, beige back then. <laughs> Uh, Mom used to cut her hair, and so we all had these straight fringes across the, <laughs> the front, which was hideous, uh, and matching jumpers, and everything was just pants. And I don't know how, but I was always quite content in my own imagination. And, and I, I guess to try and give that some kind of reasoning, well, all of the old Irish uh, fables that we would have been read as as children – and they were always about the little people playing underneath the flowers. And that might sound uh, a little bit, oh, I think I'll put on an Irish accent. And I don't mean it to sound that way. Nobody in Ireland speaks like that, I should add. But at the same token, it's it's a it was a time and an era of when you didn't have very much that you had Um, an amazing ability to daydream and just to be in your own company and sit in puddles and imagine the little people and it was for very good reason so uh, plodding along or, or goofing around or worrying what anybody else did it never even entered my head and probably still doesn't to this day and i don't know why the fascination took me but it did uh and and, and there you go. I mean, we had a back garden, but it only had two apple trees. None of my family were into it. My, my older brother's a civil engineer. My, my sister at the time worked in a bank. My, You know, one of eight children, what do you do? And and maybe it was just out of necessity uh, that I did it, but the intrigue caught me. What I do remember is having plants under my bed, and then I moved them down into my dad's garage. And it was an old... Um, At the time, two double doors and uh, three skylights over the top and the plants bent out and leaned towards the light. And I do remember asking my dad what that was. And he gave me the answer of which you do when you have eight children, which is why don't you tell me? (laughs) And so I went to try and find... Out what i know now to be phototropism which is the chemical process by which plants lean towards light but again i knew what that was at seven years of age but reverse engineering what you don't when you know what phototropism is or photosynthesis is for that for that matter um it's quite easy to go and, and google search that but when you're in a library at six seven years of age trying yeah. to figure that out backwards it, it's you learn so much by the, and then you finally get there and i i guess the book just never um left me one and number two there was no pressure on me to do anything because i'd so i'd seven other distractions in my family that nobody really <laughs> they didn't mind as much if you understand me you know it didn't really matter that much but it was a good it was a good raring and, and you, you learn silly things you know like that like buying a buying a sieve uh, and seven soil is a heck of a lot cheaper or a better investment than buying bags of compost uh and it's funny when you go to the old book stores and the old book sales that i used to where you'd find you know four books from 1923 or, or 1920s anyway, and they've got garden illustrations in them and how you mix the soil of what we know now to be a John Innes mix, for example. And when you find what I would call, uh, I would call refer to them as, you know, my, my little Bibles nearly, because you see the books that come out now and essentially... They're just rehashes yeah. of what had been invented essentially a hundred years ago. But these are bargain uh, books for a, an eight year old kid who just wanted to goof around and grow plants and, and make it fail so that I could say to people, Well, I know why it went wrong because I I made it go wrong first. And <laughs> and uh, and and you learn, you learn very quickly, especially when you've you've not got a, a couple of hundred quid and, and yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So,
0: so I mean, why didn't you kind of go towards botany or biology instead of horticulture and garden design? Like, how did you choose that?
1: Um, well, Ireland had four main colleges at the time in horticulture, and um, pardon me, uh, one of them was that you went and you studied agriculture, for which we have a really rich heritage. Heritage i take that again. (laughs) But we have a really rich heritage of agriculture in this country. Um, And uh, uh, when I looked at what was available, it was a case of either, A, go to England, uh, which probably wasn't on the cards, if you want to work in this country, albeit it's good to go away. And I did go away and do that but I wanted to to learn my trade in, I say trade, but I wanted to learn it in Ireland and essentially I ended up down in Kilkenny and I liked that one because um, it had a half and half mix between the the practical of knowing how to do it exactly right, one, and two, then into the science side of it. And it crossed all spectrums from fruit glass production into landscape design, nursery, the growing of plants. And it did it on a scientific, but also on a practical level. I'll be cocky in saying that I knew how to do most of that by the time I got there. What the college taught me from a practical side of things was how to make that perfect one and two when you're 20 something years of age and all ireland uk had really known from a television media perspective was a man with a beard standing in a potting shed uh, with handfuls of compost and an old woolly jumper on then i was too young to do all of the things that i wanted to do or at least i appeared too young so i made um quite sure that when i said i knew i knew what i was talking about i mean i really did go ott in the theoretical department um but i'd about i'd about 4 years and i went as high as i could i sat the english exams externally uh, because uh, essentially uh i got bored um doing the uh, doing the irish <laughs> ones and um and and that's it but it was as high as i could go in what I wanted to get into, which was essentially landscape design. And as a guy who builds and designs gardens now, and there are uh, drawings that are sent to me, maybe not as much anymore. I think what happens is a lot of people will come to me and say, look, I want to build this garden. They're the designer. uh, And they'll say to me, do you think this will work? Because I know I know how to build them. I've been doing it for so long. But when people say, why didn't you do it that way? And we can all be armchair pundit uh, garden professors. You know this better than anybody. Um, And we all, whether it's a football match, be it American football or or Irish football, and you're shouting at a, a professionally trained athlete who earns 175 million euro a week and you're in your pajamas with a slice of pizza or a bowl of <laughs> porridge saying I know better than the man who's studied this all his life and essentially that, that's what happens, you've got to be able to say well no I can't do this because the growing temperature of grass in Ireland is essentially between 12 and 14 Celsius and uh, you know if I put on X fertilizer with a high nitrogen level well here's what's going to happen and you you have to be the professor at the top of the stage and you also need to be a little bit of a a jack of all trades uh, at the end of that is that you're a master of none but you essentially need to be um proficient in in all areas and i think the, the the garden that you'd probably be most aware of at this moment in time is the the one in france and if you look at that it's a cross spectrum of Uh, essentially a garden that's 30 foot below street level with fruit trees in, with native Irish trees in, with trees that are brought in instantly that are nine meters tall, 10 meters tall. And uh, I remember one of the guys saying to me, well, why did you put these plants here? Because it's shaded so much. And I said, well, it's a reduction in light. It's not an elimination of light. You also have four other factors required. And we had this scientific thing. And I said, can I ask you a question? What did you study? And he said, computers. (laughs) <laughs> I said but I like the garden at the weekend and I'm, I'm saying well half of my head again without getting cocky is saying well you're talking to the designer who was I say without getting cocky I double underlined this bit <laughs> but you're talking to the guy who was selected to represent Ireland to, to build a garden to commemorate the end of World War I or the centenary or the armistice in the moat of a 13th century castle they didn't pick you You know, I've got it. I have an etch a sketch, and and I have a a couple of pieces of paper there. But you know, if I want my computer fixed or know how to use Google Hangouts, then you know, I'll I'll call you. But but he was adamant that that I wasn't um that I wasn't right, and I said, well, give it a year and we'll we'll see. You know, there's no problem. I'm (laughs) it's 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 okay. But there you go. Yeah.
0: Well, there's like four different directions I could go with that. But I think I want to go back a little bit. Um, sure. You were talking about the grass in Ireland growing at a certain temperature. Maybe let's just talk about the climate in Ireland in general. Like, what's gardening like in Ireland? What is your climate? I mean, I think it's misty and rainy. That's just my, you know, perspective from movies. So tell me uh, from, from a, a true perspective here.
1: So Ireland is exactly as you pictured it. We have, uh, I think, Irish butter is famed pretty much out well. I'm told by by uh, export statistics because I'm a complete nerd when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, but Irish butter and Irish beef, uh, mainly because the, the cattle, sheep, uh, etc., are predominantly grass fed, and we have we have a t-shirt here that sells which is essentially four seasons in one day and it, it's not a joke you can literally have snow hail rain and sunshine in in one day it's not like going to madeira or to the dominican republic where you've got six months of sunshine at 28 to 31 possibly 31.5 degrees Celsius of a variance, um, it, It's it can be quite unpredictable. Uh, so working in it as a garden designer or working with it, as I prefer to say it, it can be a challenge, but you box clever, you get smart. Um, what I will say is Ireland as a landscape, as as a country, if you if you were to Google or your listeners were, were listening to this and they had their iPhone out there, maybe on the the underground, if you if you picture or or Google the Cliffs of Moher or the Giant's Causeway, just those two alone, I mean the places are just staggering. It's staggeringly uh, beautiful on one hand, and then you realise when it comes to growing things not in a controlled environment. Uh, It can be the ultimate challenge, but that's partly goes back to when I was maybe seven, not six, when I could identify (laughs) when I could identify and plant things just below or twice the depth of the seed. Uh, You start to realize that now you're into the gardening challenge and you'll hear that conversation of why things went well and why they didn't go well, um, how it went wrong, how he managed to get his going about giving it a head start and producing in plugs. Um, This year, however, has been a bit of a freak of of a, of a season because we had about three months of snow. um, One, two locally to bring it to a Dublin or at least Dublin where I live. Um, 55% of Ireland's vegetables are grown in, the region where where my home is. And we're about uh, maybe 20 minutes of a drive to the nearest public transport. So we really felt the the pinch of the first three months of the season. And then we went into, um, statistically on the record, just to put in context, 17 years in business, and this is the least amount of plants bought in one calendar year ever and that includes going through the the big dipper or the recession or as ron finley would call it the great depression yeah. uh, econo- economically uh, it'll put in context what the weather uh, did as a as a challenge it wasn't that gardens weren't built it was just no planting went in and it's all pretty much on hold i'd say till till the start of next year so it's it's a tricky climate it's a wonderful country but i would always say if you go to somewhere like inish one of the islands off the of the west of of Galway um be prepared for the storms when the sun comes out it's it's a magical place and and it's worth it we've an abundance of rainbows in a nutshell misty
0: (laughs) it sounds tricky that's for sure yeah um yeah so are people mostly gardening like edible gardening is it like a lot of allotment gardening that you would see in you know I see a lot of English gardeners doing the allotment thing or is most people having their gardens at their homes?
1: it's it's a funny one it's an eclectic mix but so on on allotments uh funnily enough one of the garden talks that i gave about a year year and a half ago maybe was on 300 years of landscape design and and trends and what you start to realize is if you go to the 17th century for example i'll speed this one up so it's not a one and a half hour talk for you <laughs> um but it, it back in the 17th century when you were uh, let's say a little bit avant-garde you kept the the working classes the peasants essentially away from the the grand house when it came to about the 18th century you started to move them a little bit closer because you were shown off Um, and then the whole thing changed around the time of of the first world war and what you start to realize then was things like the ministry of food came out where books were produced and and Committees were set up locally, nationally, and locally to teach people how to survive off the land. Or essentially, when we can't get food or rations to you, here's how you manage to get through the worst times. But it was after that only then, really, that allotments started to take off. And everything that you that that happens between the UK and Ireland horticulturally is not that far away. To be quite fair about it, so uh, allotments became a a necessary logic reason for growing your own food after the first world war and again after the second world war and then you start to realize that when we hit the uh, dip in economy again from about uh, maybe latter half of 08 9 heading towards 2013 14 grow your own became a thing again and It's funny, I think part of that talk, uh, somebody asked me how bad did it get and I was delighted because one of the slides I I had behind me was a photograph and it was um, uh, the toy that usually goes with the McDonald's meal. Uh, in this case, was a uh, grow your own kit. Oh, and, wow. and yeah, and I was saying, you know, you've really hit super saturation. You, there was a commercial point, and I think one of the things I remember most on the grow your own uh, epidemic, as I like to call it, uh, not a bad thing in some cases, but there was a guy buying a net of potatoes uh, seed, I should add, uh, about mm-hmm. enough for a large um, salad bowl, maybe. And uh, I think there we're about two three dollars let's say and he bought two of them and he bought a 20 litre pot and he bought two bags of compost with miraculous powers as i like to call it <laughs> um and he spent about 50 quid for what could only give him back uh, a potato a potato mass or a bag of potatoes that i can buy in a supermarket for 249 at the time so i was saying it was the most expensive bag of potatoes ever that he had grown so you've got to figure out whether it's a if you go back historically it was a means and it was a necessary means if you take it on a modern level then the reality is it was commercialized and when you look at what i was doing when i was six and i didn't have enough money well you bought a sieve you sieve soil but Mm -hmm. you knew how to identify the weed seeds just in case you had any in with your um seeds that you bought and you, you get quite clever about it so i think we've i think we come out the far side but then you find that history tends to repeat itself a little and essentially it will happen again but it'll be in a couple of years if you look at um uh, oldie ye oldie english gardens Again, roses, for example, at the minute have fallen out of fashion, albeit they've tended to come back in on street planting. And herbaceous planting went entirely out of fashion through the height of the boom. It became entirely low maintenance, large construction gardens, and now they seem to have come back in. We're, we're going a little bit back to the roots, but everything tends to come um, quite cyclically. In Ireland, however, what you'll tend to find is uh, as a country we have a lot of parks a lot of grass uh, a lot of farmland uh, and a beautiful landscape again uh, domestically there are as many people who appreciate an extremely good garden as there are people who are a bit like my dad to be quite honest and uh, that is a straight path to the shed and a washing line and what else does a man want in life bar a straight path to the shed and a washing line (laughs) don't turn on the Marvin Gaye, leave the Otis Redding off. This is as sexy as it gets. And, and it's a little bit, um, you know, you can't argue with either. I think I'm probably in quite a privileged position because as I like to say, in for the greater part, um, I, I get paid to, to see people smile at something I made. And, I think when you're six years of age, seven years of age, and you make your mom uh, a card, you'd know this with your own nippers. And they hand it to you, made out of an old piece of cardboard. Uh, Nothing beats that. Uh, Even now, I'm a little bit taller and older, and it's a garden, and they give me money in exchange for it. So, um, yeah, I'm in quite a privileged position, I'd have to say.
0: Well, let's talk about that. I mean, what are people coming to for? I mean, is it mostly homeowners? Are you designing for... I mean, obviously, outside of this big project in France, which I do want to talk about in a bit,
1: yeah. um,
0: what are your what are your typical clients and how do you approach things? Uh,
1: I've I've got a funny one. I, I'll go back to um, <laughs> something my mom used to say about me growing up, uh, Misty, and I'm I'm trying to be. Uh, apologies to your listeners, because I'm trying to be as honest as I can, but I'm not used to being this side of the microphone. Um, And now I'm slightly afraid of uh, what I might say. But um, mum used to always say to me, you know, could I not sit still? Uh, And and essentially, I couldn't ever uh, sit still. Uh, And one of my history teachers when I was in um, primary school, uh, he said, um, one, that I was very unique and he double underlined that word in a note to my mom. And the other was a quote um about Freud of Da Vinci. I'm not putting myself in that bracket, but was uh, that like most men of genius, he needed constantly to occupy his mind. And essentially I was just a, a bit of a pain in the ass. And I think he was trying to make my mom feel good about my um uh, not being able to sit still. To to put that into a garden context, I think so long as um as my head is occupied. Uh, so long as the if if the garden was a little bit more difficult or a bit more of a challenge, which you're about to get to that in a little bit, but the other the better nearly in in my case, or the more difficult it is, or you know when you were six years of age or or twenty years of age, and you said to your friends, "Oh my God, you know what we should do? We should," and you climb out the bedroom window, go down the rope, go down the sheets, you know, made into rope, and you 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 leg it, and you've got five. Dollars and you, you know, let's buy cake and put them in your socks. It, uh, you're at that level, except for it, its gardens. Uh, and and the, the the reality is, and there's a there's a serious side to that that I've had to. Um, it, it, as I, as I said when I was over in London, it's the ability to take a daydream in a nutshell, turn it into an equation, which is being an adult about the daydream, and then making it only ever appear like a daydream but essentially it's made with plants. Right. And so no matter what you do at plants, it essentially looks a little bit old uh, or is a little bit, you're back to the woolly jumper and the guy with the beard all over again. Uh, but in reality, it was a daydream in my head that was a little bit, uh, maybe Andy Kaufman-esque might describe it better, but no matter which way I word it, it's still a garden. And so it's not like the Beastie Boys came out when all you'd heard was I I don't know Cliff Richard. Uh, it does that make sense to you as a <laughs> I as, think a so. of, as a bit of an answer. I hope it does. Um, and and that's really it. And and you you have to do the grown up thing. And 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 you can possibly see me now, but like my hair used to be long curly Robert Plant down behind <laughs> my ears. Wow. And when I went out on my own in business twenty four on twenty five, the first thing I did was walk down to the barber, and got the haircut that I have now. Uh, to this to this day, yeah. and um, and and I wouldn't swap what I do for a living for the world. But there's a whole myriad of uh, uh, those old Irish fables going back to again. It's the story of the Joint's causeway. It's the it's the little people playing music underneath the flowers, and you know, in the nicest way of saying Misty, if you if you're if you can't picture a little person or a group of them playing music underneath the flowers, then, then you're too old, irrespective of what age or what your date of birth is. But you're probably a bit too old and you should sell a tape yourself to a library or something that sounds bland and beige. <laughs> and I, I like to think that I work extremely hard, which I do, and extremely long hours. But I also like the fact that I have no problem sitting in a puddle at 40-something years of age and, and drinking very good whiskey I'm not saying that's not every day of the week. That's once in a blue moon. But if you can't can't picture that again, you're probably a bit old and you need to take up a new hobby, um, to to be quite fair about it, yeah.
0: So you've taken all of that and you design all over Ireland or in England as well, UK, or is, I mean, anywhere else besides those places?
1: no i think i 've done uh, work in uh, ireland uh, i 've built gardens in 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 Ireland predominantly because it 's logically it 's easier uh, I did work in England worked in Scotland uh, I did some work in in germany um, i think i 've given garden classes in the in the states but it, it, invariably i 'm either speaking about gardens building gardens designing them, and in some cases uh, where my name would not appear on the the page, I have no problem with that. It might be just being brought in as a. a, a I'm going to give it a fancy dan title. I don't mean to, but consultant would be something that maybe your listeners would 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 recognise uh, on certain projects. Albeit I wasn't the the designer on that, but again again it's it's just I've I think I've been doing the the more difficult or the more challenging the things that tax your brain a little bit more and the things therefore that by experience I'm, I I find a little bit easier where I know it would be very easy for me to start in Illinois and drive to Salt Lake City on a ride on lawnmower and start at nine o'clock and finish at five o'clock but I just couldn't do that I'd go slowly insane <laughs> you know I, I, I need to be uh, <laughs> I need to keep the brain taxed and a little bit exercised yeah
0: Well, at that, how did you come to design the the Peace Garden in in France? I mean, did you submit a a portfolio along with countless other Irish garden designers or did they come to you?
1: This is a vague one, uh, Misty, or or at least it's vague by my recollection. uh, And in part, that's to do with the fact that I'm Irish and male and I'm not really great at taking compliments, uh, one. And two, uh, as I said to one of the guys in France, you know, Bono plays uh, in Dublin city centre on one of the streets every Christmas Eve. And nobody I know has ever seen him play. And he was saying, because I think he was from Madrid or Rome, he was saying to me, if that happened where he was, the, the Place it'd be thronged. There'd be a million people playing there, and I was saying, "Well, you know, nobody really minds. I hope he's doing well, but you don't really uh, mind it." So, to the to the garden in in France uh, that I that I'm aware, what I had to do was to submit a a CV, a curriculum vitae of gardens that I had built uh, previously. One and number two, uh, give a a brief of what I felt or taught in text that the garden should be. And and again, you're probably back to that one, an ability to, to make the equation, the daydreaming equation and the equation a reality. And if you take what I've done in the past, they were all invariably extremely different, uh, which I'm, I'm, hindsight says it's now paid off finally. And <laughs> the other thing then is an ability to look at a, a 13th century castle, to be sympathetic to that landscape uh, to be logic about what it requires horticulturally i I may jest about it but if you get something like that entirely wrong on such a grand stage you've 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 got problems in, in in a very public domain so again you're very much into how do i take this picture in my head know that i can make it a an equation an equation horticulturally that will work Uh, my brain is pretty much programmed into uh, in seed planting it would be percentage succession rates Uh, so even when I say well you know we're back to that conversation about the the plants in the shade and me having a not an argument or a disagreement but a conversation where I know I'm right but you bring in a plant that's in a 10 litre pot as versus a 2 litre you give it its best head start to make sure it has the soil uh, air water, etc, everything going for it, but it 's got it 's got solely a forty percent reduction in light and as I explained to him, you know that 's just a, a dirty glasses it doesn 't mean the the plant isn 't going to grow it 's just got a a forty percent reduction in light on one part so it 's boxing clever on that um they seem to like logically or or i appreciate now what I had done in the past. What I was proposing could happen, um, uh, and it was an international call for designers, for which there is one on the horizon from the the states, I'm told, uh, but essentially one representing England, one Wales, or two from Scotland. Uh, I think there was uh, Italy, Morocco, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The okay. list goes on, and the location that they gave me was in this wonderful 13th-century castle that had fallen down in the, the Franco-Prussian War uh, again, then in between 1914 and 1918, and then again come World War Two in the Somme region of northern France. Uh, the 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 it's a really funny one because as you walk towards the the castle you don't see anything because the, the garden is, again, 30 foot below street level in in the dried up moat. So designing the garden meant that you had to be able to, you had to design it from above. If you're looking from the clouds down on, on the piece of ground, that was the bit that decided whether it wooed you into the garden. And then once you got into it, you had to make it or make the people want to stay longer. Or as I would phrase it, the difference between a, a house and a, and a home.
0: Right. No, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, when looking at the beginning photos when you started, I'm guessing you started sometime this summer, um, yeah. and what you've transformed it into it definitely is a nice, intimate location that I, when the plantings grow in, it's going to be a nice, lush place that you'd want to stay and and you know have a cup of tea or drink with your friends, or whatever
1: yeah it 's a big it 's a big spot it 's an odd one because it, again it 's split into two they 've got the old bridge going across to the main entrance, and again everything is is down both sides of you. There were budgets in place there were restrictions as to how far we could dig down uh, to put a polite term on that. They were afraid uh what may be found beneath ground level yeah. uh, due, due to due to the moat 's history um, and it 's also a real permanent garden where if I was building that garden as a show garden, you wouldn't be allowed to show any soil at all. So the appreciation of uh, that the penicetums or the penstemons or the rudbeckias, one, uh, are not in flower, uh, two, that they that they are going to grow up next year, three, that they are five-liter plants and the distance between them, albeit I I've made them a little bit closer, the reality is when I completed the garden, it was November. And it, that was a very new one to me to be able to to not have a photograph of that finished garden as a inverted commas show garden. And in reality, it was a garden in the middle of November uh, that completed two days before Emmanuel Macron, the French French president, visited the castle. So 7th of November, I completed that. and the one question that i've raised in my own head is could we not have made macron come in the middle of the summer and me start building the garden before christmas but then <laughs> that would have been a, a probably it just would have made me look good and I, and again i think when people were saying about the the submission of um, my thoughts for the garden, well, what I didn't do was the Peter Donegan Memorial Garden or one that made me look good, an arc the triumph or an Eiffel Tower, so to speak. I made a garden that fitted the castle that worked for the uh, people right. of the town. And I followed the, the brief that was given and I, I listened a lot to the uh, historical team in the shadow and to the local mayor and to the local people. And I I think we spent uh, probably about three weeks researching that one in total until we got it absolutely bang on uh, the point. And um, I think the last photograph I have that was sent to me about two, three weeks ago. Bearing in mind, the, the seating on just on the right-hand side is four metres, four metres. Um, I'm counting this in my head. Four and four is eight, six 14. So 14 linear metres multiplied by four. That's the, that's the seating for the dining areas on the right-hand side. And then there's 12 linear metres to the left. And the entire of the right-hand side, the one part of the garden where nobody went was full to the brim chaka, and i was absolutely delighted if you want to see a grown man cry uh maybe not cry um but but if you want to see a grown man smile then um again you're back to it an ability to make gardens and and people spending time together and, and staying too long um then then i guess in that department i i can turn around to myself and say well boy done good
0: well, I'm going to be excited to see photos of it next summer, and obviously in the years to come, because I imagine it's going to be a, a beautiful situation there.
1: Uh, fingers crossed! No, they seem they seem delighted with it, Misty. And uh, it's funny when when you t- you got to bear in mind that the moat of that castle had never seen anything that could make you smile ever in its history. Number one, uh, two moats of castles were designed essentially to keep people out. Yeah. And the and the only thing that ever went in between those castle walls. And uh, the walls of the moat were people who pretty much lost their lives. And the the garden in the moat has never has never it's never existed in the castle's history. Uh, and it's only when you go back to the to the photographs that I think I have up on the website, um, and you see the castle in ruins and and the entire one of the entire um, what do you call them it's not a turret but one of the entire columns the rounded columns mm-hmm. is, is just dropped into the the ground and you, you then you're looking back out and you see the whole village decimated um, you know and uh, as i said um, i think before uh, one of the french media teams were talking to me and they said how do you know you know that you'll have you'll, you'll have got it right and i said well if you can make people smile in a space that was never designed for that right One, two, if you can hear them laughing as you approach it. So, um, And and that's the tester that I put in. Uh, Plants are gardens without people essentially mean nothing. And uh, you're back to those old conversations. You're back to you and your podcast and the people you speak to on yours. And and invariably, whether you're in a garden centre or in a park or whether you're um, goofing at your own back garden with your nippers, um, talking about it or narrating that, Um, is how I would phrase what you sometimes do. It's wonderful because then I get to tell people in in Ireland, you'll never get to photograph of you uh, in that pond up to your waist talking about snakes and crocodiles (laughs) and all sorts of, you know, I mean, we're joking about it now, but I'm telling the guys here about you and they're going, what? And they're saying the exact same thing I said, which is, you know, the last time I was bit by a cow or a sheep, jeepers i can't remember or the time i fell into a puddle and there's this mad woman over in america doing mad things and uh and the conversations are just brilliant so yeah what a privileged uh, place to be in yeah <laughs>
0: um well to come off that kind of somber note of mm-hmm. of your castle um yeah. how about your gardens at home do you have a garden at home or are you kind of like the cobbler's family doesn't have shoes sort of thing
1: oh i'm yeah well if if you're still if your listeners haven't fallen asleep by now hopefully they haven't they're still with you um my garden is a is a bit of a a a mishmash, a, a mishmash. not not by intention but i'm on about an acre um number one uh number two um there are two dogs and we're surrounded by farmland literally feels it's like a neil young album as far as the eye can see and uh and there's a few hens and so in and this <laughs> this conversation came up when i was i did a garden talk about four four years ago and i, I said any other questions and they said yeah what's your own garden like and i went oh i wasn't ready for this <laughs> but, but the the answer that i gave was well i can do two options quite, quite a la the, the garden in France. You can build the Peter Donegan Memorial Garden which will make me look like a genius in a photograph but essentially I've done the wrong thing for the town of Perón and where I live in, in Dublin, bearing in mind it's farmland, the native, or the, the hedgerow uh, specimens or plants would be the Critagus or the Hawthorn. And usually, every four or five meters, you'll find there's one odd ash tree or Fraxinus excelsior that doesn't do what it's told. So, if I had, for example, planted um, Formium tenax or one of these pink palmy plants up the side of mine uh, and joking about it as an answer back to this girl i said can you imagine it you've got a a couple of leprechauns and a bit of a shillelagh stick and all of a sudden there's a fellow with a set of maracas and a couple of coconuts and then you go back to shillelagh sticks and rainbows and whatever the case may be and and that's the absolute truth of it so the 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 logic way to do it and, and logically what i did was i faded the house down in I I instated, not reinstated because the the hedgerows at the front actually didn't exist when I bought the when I bought the old cottage and it, that is again what it is it's it's not as such my garden I've I've got a uh, an office built on the on the space of land and they operate off about three desks and I've got a a wee little workshop where I get to goof around so I know that this will actually work when I want to cantilever a bit of a garden um there's enough room for the dogs uh and everything else after that uh instead of growing let's say carrots or potatoes which are freely available on the far side of the road um i think i i've grown uh, avocados and chilies and and okay. um, garlic so i'm 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 a little bit like the horticultural nutty scientist but then i also have to appreciate that i was you know i was growing parsley or celery when i was 5 and 6 At the time when I lived in an area where they couldn't be got. But why anybody would want to grow potatoes in this country when there's a guy with with, with 350 acres on the far side of the road of them saying, if you want to take a few, just go ahead. Um, And so uh, I do a lot of what's called the cheater's guide to growing your own. And that is uh, clever. Uh, time management, uh, one. Uh, two, it's about 35 to 40 fruit trees. Wow. Um, so you, uh, you know, the apple appears, you don't pick it, that's fine. Gravity takes place and and you can leave it there or not, but you don't look like an Egypt, uh if you... Don't look, let don't look after your cabbages or your potatoes to go to bolt, and the place looks a bit. And you essentially become a part-time farmer. Right. And then after that, it's herbs. And the bits that I do in the middle are all of the things that I can't buy, uh, a lot of, or I just like to have them. So again, you're, that hence why the, the avocados and the um, uh, figs and and peppers and bits and bobs like that. You know.
0: Do you have to protect the avocados and figs, or like cover them? Are they in pots? How do you deal with that?
1: Well, the figs grow uh, naturally. They're, okay. that, that, that's outside. Uh, the avocado, however, um, what was it? I built a garden and uh, I was involved, my apologies, in the building of a, a couple of gardens in South Africa. Uh, I was part of a team doing that. And uh, I remember going out to select the plants uh, From one of the nurseries. And uh, I was saying to him, you know, uh, he was planting lemon trees and oranges. And I was saying, oh my God, like this is amazing. How long will it take you to have lemons? And he was saying, oh, next year the fruit will be falling off them. I couldn't believe it. And then he was saying, what's your climate like? And we got talking horticulturally. And then I realized, well, his 35 Celsius was my. 14 Celsius. So my Bramley apple tree was essentially his lemon tree and why I could grow this or we've got, you know, lots of green grass and essentially he's got sandy soil. And so the the avocado uh, has taken, It might put a bit in context for you. It took about 12 uh, weeks. I'll bite in the uh, towards the autumn part of the, the calendar. Um, but it took about 12 weeks to get uh, leaf to appear or to germinate on it so our avocados are houseplants uh yeah in a nutshell but everything else is you know just a a bounty and we've we've as many apples as we do have potatoes in the house at this moment in time in a nutshell yeah and after that it goes into a little bit more um amenity or aesthetic right
0: okay yeah well, I'd like to kind of wrap up. Maybe you want to talk about what's next for you and your podcast. Where do you see, um, you know, the big Donegan, the Donegan design going?
1: <laughs> um, taking I'm, over I'm, the world? <laughs> I don't know about taking over the world, uh, Misty. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you and I should say I'm, I'm delighted. It's a, it's a pleasure to be talking to you again, um, one. And, and number two, that you, you invited me on and your patience with me. I, I had a long Ten week stint I think I did in France this year, and that 's been i think I did about six weeks in in the u k so I usually travel a good bit, but this year has been a little bit more than than normal i don 't know what the future holds um, there are some plans in for gardens for next year i 'll i i can 't tell you at the the minute because I'm, well, i 'm well you 're not on the plane until you 're on the plane if that makes sense mm-hmm. and um, uh, so we, we we park that probably to one side to the to the podcast. Oh good lord I I I don't know Misty I don't know <laughs> I'm 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 quite I'm quite content sitting sitting in a puddle or or talking to you so long as I'm in good company I'm I'm fine um it's just passing as I said to you earlier episode 4 400 and uh or on the verge of reaching that um so but again what the future holds I I I I genuinely don't know. In 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 reality I get to talk to wonderful people like yourself and I get to see people smile in, in things that I do. I've got very few friends is the, the joke back home. And uh, I've got absolutely no hobbies is the other joke apart from what photosynthesizes. <laughs> um so I'm I'm I I think I'll I like a little bit of I plan extremely well, but I also like a little bit of what is unplanned for and unchartered. and uh, sometimes you just gotta get on the happy bus. But I I don't know of what I can tell you at this moment in time. Um I genuinely don't know what the future holds. And I'll have to I'll have to wait for the official release maybe on, on one or two of them to come in, but uh <laughs> but I'll I'll settle for this one heading towards the tail end of sorry, you might have an edit here. Are we at the start of twenty nineteen or the end of twenty eighteen?
0: uh you'll be the first or second week of january
1: yes 2019 okay yeah so as a place to start or as a way in which to start the calendar year of 2019 um talking to yourself while it's raining in ireland at the minute and it's a bit cold and a bit chilly and the the mince pies are gone and the roast potatoes are gone and the turkey's eaten and the, the tree is now uh down at this stage of the game uh I'll I'll take this as a as a good way to start the calendar year, Misty, and um, I'm very grateful to you and your listeners for for allowing me on to to, to ramble. It's been a while since I, I've, I've since I've done it.
0: Yes, no problem. I'm glad you get to come on. I learned a lot, and I was um, uh, you're definitely one of the easier people I've talked to. You had <laughs> I find when you talk to people who love what they do, they will they will share freely, and it sounds, oh, really? like you, it sounds like you love what you do.
1: <laughs> I like what I do, but I'm, I'm not used to being given. Um, I'm not used to being given. I'm usually the intermittent bit between a, a question and a question. If you, if that makes sense to you as an interviewer, and and it really is an odd sensation to be this side of the, of the, of the microphone. I, I genuinely mean that. I'm very grateful, but it's it's highly unusual for me, and I uh, I never know whether I've done okay. Albeit I can tell other people how they have done. If that makes sense to you yes yeah
0: well where can people find you online if they want to listen to the sod show or maybe they're in ireland and want to you know get some garden design done
1: uh if if from from a garden's perspective on what i do for a living garden talks or design then it's it's done landscaping just That'll come up if you Google it. It's on the, the Twitter and the Facebook, et cetera. And on the podcast part of it, it's the, the Sod Show. Sod is because, and I know you've phrased this with me before, um, but the the Sod Show, uh, Sod is obviously like turf or grass and uh, what we would call the old sod or what you might see in, in films made about Ireland where they'd call it the old sod and um uh, essentially because it's so green so side show anyway and if you, you'll get it in itunes and spotify and all of those or or just send me a note on twitter or one of them
0: yeah well thanks again and i'm glad we made this work with uh, the big time zones so it, yeah. good.
1: <laughs> it was good it was a pleasure misty thank you so much always good to talk to you
0: thank you